Beth Winterburn's work is characterized by bold gestural brushstrokes and minimalist detail. As a nod to her analytical roots in photography and architecture, she approaches each piece with a mathematical mindset, counting evens and odds, balancing lights and darks, visually slicing the composition into thirds and fifths. She approaches her work as if it's a problem to solve, combining and contrasting elements with and against one another to create a cohesive yet dynamic piece. Beth's work is an exploration of contrast, tension, and resolve. Methodical by nature, she challenges her own ideas of control by experimenting with materials, allowing them to behave as they naturally would with subtle direction. Beth joins us today in this episode of Let the Music Play podcast as we talk about the art of creativity and the invitation of her work to feel, react, and explore the tension of the world. Hi, I'm Ashton Gustafson, and welcome to Let the Music Play. Like, my materials keep me super curious. You know, I'll actually, um, I'm a very practical person in a lot of ways, and that practicality kind of feeds even the experimental, experimental side of what I do. Hey guys, Ashton Gustafson here, and welcome to another episode of Let the Music Play. This is where we chat about what it looks like, what it feels like, and what it means to make music with our lives, our relationships, and our careers. I am so excited today to introduce you guys to uh, truly an artist that, um, a long story, I'll make a long story really short. One night, my wife said, look at this work. Uh, And her name was Beth Winterburn. So I'm looking at this work online on my phone. I go online. Long story short, a piece of hers uh, totally caught my eye and I just had to buy it. Uh, I've never purchased art online, but I did it. And when it showed up, it was even better than I thought. So that being said, uh, I reached out to her and I said, I want to hear about you and your work and your art and your creativity. And she said, yes. So Beth, thanks for joining us. (laughs) Sure, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I you you were the first like I kind of call everyone an artist, but you're like actually an artist that does things <laughs> with paint and colors and ink uh, on yeah. the show. So I'm super stoked when you introduce yourself and your work to someone. Where where do you begin? Yeah, so you know I'm sure everybody will say this at some point in their career, but it took me a while to get to that point of saying I am an artist. Yeah, but um. It definitely flows easier now, and so I will usually tell people, you know, I'm, I'm an abstract painter working primarily with inks and acrylics, so that's kind of my line. Beautiful, beautiful. Because, you know, a lot of people will say, painter, oh, and then immediately, you know, they'll make oils or whatever, so kind of have to guide that you thought have, train a little bit. That, that, that's right, and we're going to get into your creativity and design and style here in a little bit, but one one thing I wanted to ask you was um when 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 was the spark there when was the the match lit when when was the what's like the earliest memory you have of being struck by the process the idea of art creativity creation so forth yeah great question so you know it's been in my family for a long time really um my grandfather was a photographer he uh would take photos of us as kids. I mean, that was sort of a fun thing for him to do, but he was a professional photographer. And so I saw 
him with a camera in hand. He had a Hasselblad, which is a really awesome, beautiful, um, large format camera that you you hold and you have to see your viewer. I mean, you have to see your subject upside down. So oh, wow. it's it's just this really cool process. So I mean, I watched him do that growing up, and then um, you know, my brother's a musician. We were just surrounded by the arts from a very young age. Um, uh, my mom is a seamstress. She can sew these very intricate. She, there's this certain type of sewing called, um, I mean, of course right now I'm going to have this brain lap. French hand sewing. It's a very delicate and very intricate, uh, type of sewing to make clothing. And so she would make these very detailed things when I was a kid. And so I saw her at her sewing machine and I saw her sitting in the, you know, sitting in, on the couch or at the table with a needle and thread. And so I was just a very normal part of my life. Mm-hmm. I never really thought, you know, oh, that's something else. And I'll pursue that as something else. Yeah. Um, you know, which probably is why two out of the, my parents, three kids at least are now, you know, professional artists in one way or another. And um, I mean, even my younger brother plays a guitar and, you know, things like that. So it was just a very normal day to day part of our lives. So the arts were never something outside of the walls of your home. Those people do that. It it, it really right. was in some way cultivated through all different ways and different people within right. your family. Right. And you know, my parents will laugh at this, I'm sure, but and I, I've said this to them before, but we were raised in a very small town. There were eight thousand people where we were wow. raised. And so, um, very, very tiny towns. It's where Oprah Winfrey was from. That's a claim to fame. Oprah, but, shut um, up. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, when you live in a tiny little town where there's like one or two stoplights and yeah. there's just not anything to entertain you from the outside in, you really yeah. have to create so much of your own entertainment. And yes. so, you know, I mean, my mom would, her thing with us was go outside, go outside, go outside. And we had this huge backyard and huge front yard and just space to explore. And, um, she was never intimidated really by materials. Like, you know, there are some people who really freak out with glitter and, you know, just messes, which right. I completely understand. I'm a mother, but, um, you know, it just, there was just a lot of freedom to explore things and a lot of like encouragement just to play around and, um, be creative. So, it just sort of feels like it was always there. Um, I love that. I love that. I think, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm from small towns too, and mm-hmm. uh, there's something about the reality that if you can find magic in the mundane, um, yeah, absolutely. That you don't have to go to Central Park. Um, right. You don't. You don't have to go to these. Uh, huge, uh, dense populated places, um, when you can kind of dial in that it's all here Mm -hmm. and now, no matter what Mm -hmm. your horizon looks like, it seems as though a beautiful thing can happen. Have you, have you found the same thing? Absolutely. I mean, I, I, you know, really, maybe this is too much of a blanket statement, but I don't remember ever really being bored. Like I don't remember thinking I'm so bored, you know, just, there were all, there was always stuff to explore. I mean, we created these, we had this huge hedge between our house and a neighbor's house and we cut out, you know, little sections of it and made these forts and the hedges, you know, and yeah. it was just that kind of, that kind of an upbringing, which I, um, looking back, you know, I think my parents were like, Oh, we're in this tiny town and there's nothing for our children to do. And we look at it like that was just what made us who we are. You know, we were so thankful to 
um, have such this sort of uh, blank slate of make your own fun, make your own ideas. And I think that really benefited us in a lot of ways. Beautiful. So um, you mentioned that it was like this windy road to getting to the point of saying, I'm an artist. This is this is what I do. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a career out of this. There's something here for me. Um, yeah. How to walk with me through that story of kind of arriving? I mean, I guess is there a point where you're like, I do this for a living now? Like, <laughs> t- tell me how th- yeah. how you get there. <laughs> yeah. So um, let's see. There's I guess there's some tangible history there. Um, I, so I guess from the youngest age, I can remember where I would go to camps and things, you know, if there were art classes, that was what I would find first, you know, what, mm-hmm. where are the pottery classes, where are the whatever. And so I'd always sign up for those and I, I knew I loved it, but I never, I guess at that moment, I didn't identify it even at a young age as like, you know, when you say, what do you want to do when you grow up? Like, mm-hmm. I didn't think an artist, you know, mm-hmm. it was just sort of, this is something fun that I get to do, but that was about as far as it went. And so fast forward to, um, high school and I took, you know, art, as many art classes as I could. There was advanced art and I still recall so much of what my high school art teacher taught me. There's wow. so many phrases that roll over in my brain. Hmm. She was fantastic. And so, um, so, you know, I, I guess I dove a little deeper into, into it in high school. And then when I was getting ready to go to college, I was thinking like, I don't really know what I want to do. Um, I had this, my mom's actually a math teacher. She teaches high school, like advanced, very difficult math, calculus, pre-cal, that kind of thing. And so math came very naturally to me, and I really enjoyed math. And so I sort of thought, okay, well, there's got to be some aspect of that. And then the creative side, you know, so I was just trying to figure out what I want to do. And I had a teacher who could tell, you know, okay, you like math, you like the creative yeah. realm. So he suggested, why don't you go, why don't you pursue architecture? I thought, oh, perfect fit. <laughs> so I applied for, um, applied for architecture school at the University of Tennessee, which has a great architecture program and um, made it in, which at the time, I, I don't know, I just didn't realize that that was anything big. But when I got there, you know, it's like, oh, there's only like 40 people in the program in this class. And I thought, oh man, like this is serious. Like mm. I need to really focus, you know, so, and I've always been, I always enjoyed school, you know, I was always a committed student, but I just thought, okay, these people are really serious, and they made a point to get into this program, and so I got to take this very seriously, so um, at the University of Tennessee, the building is really fantastic, where the architecture, it's shared between the arts and the architecture, so one side of it is art, is architecture and interior design, and then the, the other side of it. Um, is the art. So you have graphic design and then all the fine art uh, practices on the other side. So, you know, the whole time I was in the architecture courses, I'm like eyeballing all the students on the opposite (laughs) halls. The interior of the building is completely open. It was designed to be, um, to mimic a cruise ship. So when you walk through it, you're literally like, there's an atrium in the middle, everything's exposed. So you're just watching everybody do their thing, which is really great. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm watching all these artists like, ah, that looks like so much fun. And, but still sort of thinking, but that's not really like a serious degree, you know. And my sweet, generous parents were paying for college. You know, they kind of said, if you go to an in-state school, we'll put you through school. But if you want to go out, out of state, you know, that's on you. And so yeah. I was like, okay, you know, easy decision. So um, with knowing that they were doing that for me, I thought, okay, I got to pick something that's, 
a serious, you know, discipline. And, but, you know, semester in, I thought, this is just not for me. Like, I was very, very tedious. Um, you know, one measurement at the very beginning that was off 10 hours into a model build, and then you would be destroyed. You'd have to go all the way back to the beginning. And I just thought, this is crazy. Like, I don't see myself doing this um, long term. So, you know, the protractor kind of, compass wasn't you. Yeah. <laughs> no. no. And I, I just kind of thought, I just would reach my max, you know, in the lab and think, I'm done. Like, I have nothing left. And I'm looking around me and people are like, I got three hours to go on this. And I would think, I just don't. Like, I'm totally maxed out. Yeah. And so I just thought, okay, this is not working, obviously. And it was a hard decision to leave it because I've always been like, a, you make a decision, you follow it. So, you know, that's just kind of been my mentality. Mm-hmm. And, um, so it was a little bit tricky because I thought I'm going to go to undecided. Like, what does that even look like? And, but that was a short lived, I went undecided for about a semester. And then I remember talking to my mom and saying, okay, you know, I'm still really attracted to the art building. Like, I love that place. It feels like home to me. So she said, okay, we'll go back to it. So I did. And I thought, well, I'll teach, you know, that's a real job. I'll teach, I'll teach art. And so I went through the art ed program. And um, made the worst grades of my life in the art ed courses. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that's not it either. <laughs> and so I remember the conversation I was having with my mom and um, said, you know, the art ed courses are killing me. She's like, drop them. And I was like, really? You know, again, they're paying for college. And I'm yeah. thinking, you know, and so she's like, drop them. She said, if you feel like you want to be an art major, then that's what you need to do. And I was like, okay. You know, yeah. thankfully, my brother, my older brother had paved the way right. being a musician. And, yeah. you know, that's a big leap of faith. And, you know, my parents were just like, do it. Be who you are. And so um, I owe a lot to them. Just their freedom to let, you know, to yeah, what a trust gift. that that was right for me. Yeah. yeah. And um, so I flew through my degree because I only had, you know, like two and a half or three years to cram it all in. And I knew I wanted to graduate on time. And so... um so I actually ended up graduating with a focus in photography and uh, because that was the courses I'd taken the most of um, at, the, gotcha. at the time. So then fast forward, I left school, um, actually moved to Texas for a couple of years and worked out there and met my husband. He was living in Memphis and was in law school. And so I uh, moved to Memphis after I got married and then we quickly had kids, which we didn't really plan on, but it was once that ball started rolling, we just went with it. And so, um, I, that whole time had just been itching to do, to, I needed an outlet and I really, in some ways had forgotten, you know, that Mm. creative piece was such a big part of me, but I'd always kind of said, okay, I want to do something. I just don't know what it is. And I would do these little things on the side, you know, friends who knew that I had a degree in art would always, you know, can you do this? Can you do this for me? And I was taking photos on the side for friends and that kind of thing. And, um, but then this one friend of mine said, I really, she was redoing a space and she said, I need an abstract piece. And I was like, um, I don't know what that means. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, I think you can do it. Just go for it. Whatever comes, just go for it. And I was like, okay. So I bought a canvas and I literally like stood at it, stood and looked at it for about a month. Like it was just sort of in in my space and I would go out and I would go in and I would go out and start to make a mark. Totally blank canvas. 
And then this one day I just thought, I'm just going to go for it. And so I just started painting and I thought that was the most thrilling. Like it was this beautiful combination of I'm terrified and Mm -hmm. I'm having the time of my life. Mm -hmm. And I was hooked at that moment and never looked back. So that was a very wordy. (laughs) That was 20, let me see. My youngest was born in 2012 and she was about two years old. So it was like 2014. Okay, so this when is I, recent. I mean, this isn't. Yeah. This is this is a, just a few years ago. A, yeah. A, yeah. A, a friend kind of speaks something <laughs> into you, right? I mean, like. Yeah. Definitely. Hey, hey, there's something in you, and it needs to get <laughs> it needs to get on a blank canvas. Yes. And, yes. And I've sent her so many just thank you, thank you. <laughs> yeah. You know, her husband, but yeah. Yeah. What a special that was friend very wordy, to call that a wordy out. way to get there, but yeah, I know. So know, you so you awesome. make this piece, uh, mm-hmm. you stare at a blank canvas, all of a sudden from nothing comes something, and mm-hmm. another friend says, Do one for me. I mean, where how does this how's the, where's this momentum build? Yeah, so okay, so that piece, let's see. So there's two there's so many ways you can paint. You know, a lot of people paint standing up, a lot of people um there's painting on the floor. Everything has 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 its own hmm sort of nature, you know, and um, so, you know, I had this sort of thing in my head of I've got to stand up and get an easel, and I wasn't really able to communicate what I wanted to communicate. I mean, that one piece was really fun, but I just felt like I was repainting that one piece after that for a little while, like, it just felt too too much the same, and um, so going back to my degree, you know, I, I did take several different courses you have to you know to get a fine arts degree but um I kept trying to sign up for the painting the sort of traditional painting course and it's always full so I ended up taking watercolor and you know looking back it's funny like I never knew that anything would really come of that course but that was really such a foundation for me really stuck with me and so I would I sort of bought all these acrylic paints and um, having kids, I thought, I don't want oil. Like, I just feel like it's going to be too much of a hassle and um, the cleaning and all of that. So mm-hmm. I thought, okay, I'll do acrylics. Well, then I thought, well, let me just dive a little bit back into watercolor. So I bought some watercolors and I started playing with that's cute, but I just didn't have, still wasn't satisfied with the, really the saturation. Mm-hmm. Like I thought, there's, I'm just really pushing for this. I know there's something that I'm aiming for. I just haven't quite gotten it yet. So, and by um, saturation, then, you mean? Just the depth of color, the contrast, yeah. like just that weightiness and yes. um, everything was just too light. And so I um, I was digging through this drawer. I think I was cleaning out a drawer or something. And I came across this little pouch that I had bought, like, I think it was in college. And there was some ink in there. And I had played with calligraphy in college. And so I had this bottle of black ink. And I was like, hmm, wonder what would happen if I, you know, applied this like I would my watercolor. And so I just pulled that out of this bag and started playing with it. And I was like, that's it. That's it. And so that was the beginning of the ink obsession. And now, um, you know, I was sort of like all these things have finally come to full circle. I'm using watercolor technique, but I'm using ink because of that way desaturation. And so wow. it's just been this really awesome, fun process yeah. of just discovery and experimentation and like All you're you, you decoding your own creative <laughs> language, right? Yes. It's 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 pulling definitely, and and I love how even the first one you were like, yeah, 
I'm hearing a song, but that's not the song. Right. Um, and so when you when you create these now, I, I've I've just seen some of your work of how you how you do it online. Do you is this on the floor, um, or yeah. do you use an easel, or where where how do you create this? No, so I kicked all the easels out of the studio. No easels. Like, See ya. No easels. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's on the floor. Um, I have these huge. So my water, my uh, paper pieces, uh, paper has to be stretched in order mm-hmm. to keep it from buckling and moving. And so um, I have these birch boards, which are like four feet wide by I think they're eight feet. They're just you know standard like Home Depot boards. And um, have those laid out on the floor and then stretch my papers on those. I actually have, when I'm, it depends on what's on my agenda, but um, when I have commission work, a lot of times those are the really large pieces. And so we actually move our kitchen table, slide it all the way to the side, and I take over the floor (laughs) and have two birch boards in there. And then I have one birch board on my studio floor that I usually do several small pieces at once on. So I've got lots of work going on because there's all these layers and you, you need to wait for things to dry. So I'll put one layer down on one set of work and then move to the other and put the layer down on that. And the layer that dried yesterday, I'll go and add a, you know, so there's just this constant sort of rotation yeah. of yeah. work. And I love that it's just in the kitchen. <laughs> like, you know, you, you have that, you have this like Picasso idea that he's like somewhere outside of France in this, studio and you're like hey move the juicer over <laughs> it's very true <laughs> we, we gotta we gotta make this up but like here i'm just thinking what a gift to your kids though i mean you're passing on yeah. what was passed on from you right. and to even think that we live in a day and age where someone will pay you for these things um <laughs> I, I think that's a beautiful thing to cultivate in the family is like hey yeah. Um, yeah. what's inside of you, it's a metaphor, but like get it out yeah. Yeah. and, and allow right. it to change people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're so used to it. You know, I have people ask me all the time, like, how do they not just like, you know, run all over it or do they not, are they not so tempted? And it's just so normal to them mm-hmm. that they don't even notice it. You know, yeah. they know to walk around it. They know, and even my youngest will say, mom, is this special? <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> to be really careful. And, um, you know, so yeah, thankfully it's, it's such a normal part of our lives and, and, and our future, hopefully, I mean, our, one of my big goals over the next couple of years is to actually build a studio on top of our garage awesome. so that I can have one space yeah. to do all this in. Yeah. But, um, you know, we make it work. Yeah. I have a very supportive, very supportive family. So I'm I thankful for that. I, love, I, I think there's something tells me you're going to look back one day and be like, man, I wish I was in the kitchen. <laughs> You know, um, yeah. but, uh, so, um, so you're on the floor, do, do these uh, acrylics to the watercolor, the ink, what, what you use, yeah. I guess gravity does something different on the, I, I mm-hmm. like when the piece that I have of yours, um, mm-hmm. which I'm going to show it in the show notes somehow, somehow I got to share with yeah. everyone this, this piece. Cool. And I yeah. think maybe you've heard before how it spoke to me in a way. I don't know. I, Bryn may have yeah. sent that to you. I did. I did. Um, that was so cool. So I like, a lot. Yeah. Um, I may, may or may not show, share that in the show notes. Who knows? That's neither here nor there, but <laughs> you, I, I take it. You've noticed that like just the universe pulls these colors in a different way and they do different things. Yeah when yeah. it's laid flat on the floor as opposed to on an easel. 
Right. Yeah, there's yeah, there's a big part of this work and you may have more you wanted to ask. Did I cut you off? No, uh uh-uh. no, that's totally yeah. it. Okay. Um, I was just gonna say there's a big part of this work where you really have to know when to stop. And I think that's one of the main like it's it's very, very big in my particular work. Um learning when like enough's a, enough. Yeah, I mean, I've said this before to other people, you know, who will ask me, oh, can you, as far as like um, commission work goes, do you recreate things? And I'll, I'll tell people, it's like a one hit thing. It's like a one hit wonder, you know, it's that top 10 song that you just, every time it's like, this is going to do its own thing. This is and a once in the universe happening thing. Yes. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it yeah. is that every time it does something a little different and there, you know, over time, obviously I've learned like, this mixture and this viscosity and this, this does, will probably do this, but they're still like, Oh, Whoa, mm-hmm. look what it did this time, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, and I love that about it. The the material that I actually use for your piece is a synthetic paper. So the ink actually sits on top mm-hmm. of the paper rather than absorbing. So it, it doesn't even more like on the scaly, um, it looks sometimes it'll look like elephant skin or rhinoceros skin. It does. Kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah, but it sort of will rest into itself. Wow. And because of the thickness and the viscosity of the actual material, they have nowhere else to go except for to sort of smash into each other. And um and then they eventually dry that way. And so you get these beautiful interactions with all the materials and you know, you just literally have to like not even mess with it, just walk away. And so that's a lo- another reason why I'm constantly working on you know, 10 things at once, because yeah. if I stood over one piece, I would totally destroy it. Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's this really nice, like, and I say this, I think in my um, bio, you know, I really try to allow the materials to behave as they naturally would mm-hmm. with subtle direction. So you know, it's kind of like raising kids. I think about that all the time, like how much this translates to learning your children and, mm-hmm. and sort of directing them. Um, but of letting them like, oh, you know, she's more introverted or he's more extroverted or, you know, and, and finding those things and just directing them and channeling them rather than I want this to become a certain thing. And so I'm mm-hmm. going to manipulate it until it becomes what I want it to. Because often when I do that, it looks awful. So I would just, re- you know, it's just sort of a beautiful, like, it's it just marries so much of life. like A total metaphor that, for so many things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And when you spend time around, I mean, I'm going to call them the ingredients, but the colors, Mm -hmm. the the work, the (laughs) stuff, um, do you notice that it, that it, it does ooze over into you being a mom? It, it does ooze over into you being a wife and, and you, I think if we can get near to such physical metaphors, um, mm-hmm. like I'm a sucker for metaphors. I mean, it's just, I, it's, it's like, I can go all day on a metaphor. Um, what a gift to get to hang around such yeah. things and dwell on such things while you work. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. It's, it's really a great experience. And even, you know, to watch my children, they'll, sometimes they'll sneak in and paint with me and just to see what comes out of them. Mm. is like, you know, you see a person's person. It's like they say, you know, you see a person's personality by the way, by the way they drive. Well, see a child's personality all the way, by the way they create, you know, yeah. and I definitely see that with my kids. Um, the freedom or the, you know, my, daughter, my oldest daughter is much more structured and likes to follow the rules. And you can see that when she's working, she's yeah. very clean and, you know, 
very exact and, and very representational. And then um, my youngest daughter is completely different. You know, she very loose and she's very free of their work and um it's just yeah it's just a cool thing to Love see it all come together so how long that piece that i have how long will something like that take to dry is it a day a couple days yeah yeah it's usually like 24 hours gotcha um yeah i mean if it were since it's water-based it's uh a lot of it actually my work a lot of it depends on the weather so if we've had a lot of rainy weather it might take a little longer but um typically like 24 hours yeah Wow. Everything's involved. I love that. I love that. <laughs> yes, it really is. Okay, so tell me a little bit about uh, this latest body of work and kind of what led you to it. Yeah, so this latest body of work is an extension of actually a, a body that I started um, really last summer. Um, it's called How You To Me. And the reason I named it that is it's really about... Um, sort of interactions between people on a deeper level. And then practically, you know, those things are happening on the paper. So there are a couple of ways that uh, this actually came about, going back again to sort of my marriage of the practical plus the um, the inspired. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I had, a, um, had a, a deadline of two weeks that I had to produce 24 pieces. And so part of me thought, this is never going to happen. How am I going to do this? And then the other part thought, you can do this. This is totally going to happen. So hmm. I kind of came up with this um, idea of just doing 24 paper pieces, um, all kind of relating to one another. And at the time, right before this collection, um, I was doing more layers on top of one another. So I would have to do one layer, wait, um, at least 24 hours to do another layer and so on. And so uh, I was forced to kind of pull the pieces apart. So it's kind of a de- deconstructed hmm. um, thing. So I, that way I could really work a lot faster. Um, and as I started working now, I thought, you know, I was finding myself relating so much more to the work wow. than I ever had before. Um, there, there's still obviously elements. I think if you look back, before really uh, middle of last year, there are still elements that are very recognizable um, before this collection that are continuing into this collection, um, like the the gold shapes and things like that. Yeah. The gold, yeah, that I had uh, had originally actually gone for that sort of look. I was looking for a neutral, and so um, the gold ended up being my neutral that sort of tied pieces together and led the eye directionally and as you walk past a piece with gold on it, the light shifts. So it's constantly sort of changing. And there's this idea still of, you know, we can't control the light as we pass the piece, but it, it changes. And so there's this beauty of just, um, experiencing the piece at all times. I think that happens in the piece that you have, um, the gold piece, you know, it's sort of a play with light, but again, you know, you can't, you can't control it. So it's just this sort of beautiful thing you have to just experience. Um, and uh, so that that continued into this collection, of course. But instead of, I used to lay the gold on top of all the work, hmm. um, more of a, as a directional piece. You know, I want the eye to go here. I want the eye to go here. I want to travel. I want to force your eye to travel around the whole piece. And now that's still true, but I'm, I'm um, more interested now in weaving 
that shape in and out of the piece so that it mm. becomes more sculptural. Yeah. Um, I've always enjoyed sculpture and I've always enjoyed the, that dimension. And so to achieve it, you know, on a two dimensional surface is kind of a fun challenge. And so, um, you know, now when you look through the new collection, you'll see there's, uh, that line work is feeding its way in and out and it's causing the ink and, and all the other lines and marks to really come forth and go back and come forth and go back. Um, so those are some of the really practical sides of it, but, um, yeah, well, and, you know, and I love this idea that you bring with you a, a, a bit mm-hmm. of the last collection. Um, yeah. but it also is a journey into how you are changing in the way you see the world. Right. Um, definitely. And, and, and it, this collection is called how you to me. And mm-hmm. do you, do you pull, like, have you intersected moments in your day where you go, Oh man, there, I, I felt something in that. I saw mm-hmm. something in that person, that moment, um, yeah. that I can bring back to the paper into this journey that I'm trying to put out there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm constantly, you know, again, fascinated by like the Enneagram, the personalities of people. Yeah. And on a whole, you know, when I, when I started creating this collection, it was actually right after all of these, um, sort of, or not, maybe not all, but there were several marches around the United States, you know, the protests on bridges mm-hmm. during the Black Lives Matter. And, um, there's one in Memphis and, you know, it just had me really thinking and there was a lot of just really hard news on and, yeah. I think the country was just hurting and I was thinking about, you know, the, just why are we attracted to certain types of people? Why do we interact with one type of person a certain way versus another way? And, um, you know, so as I was creating this, I was, I was using these very different marks and using sort of these washes right up against a really hard line and using like a very bold color or, um, you know, like a really dark tone up against a very light, soft, gentle one. And, you know, I just thought there's so much beauty and diversity when things are all same, you know, when they're all just, everything's the same tone or the same value. It's just to me, not as interesting. So, you know, kind of ties in again to just loving contrast and loving the diversity. And um, I think that, you know, art can be so healing. And so uh, maybe that was part of it for me. I think there, there was, again, I'm such an inward, heady person. And so when all that stuff was going on, I just absorbed it a little bit, probably too much into my mind and thought, um, you know, it really affects, really affects, affected me emotionally. And, and I just thought, you know, maybe that was part of my healing was just to sort of like um, work it out in the wow. studio. And, wow. you know, yeah. So um, I'm really happy with that collection. And I think it's something that because the relationships that we have with people are so unpredictable a lot of times. And, you know, you meet a new person and that introduces a whole new set of sort of circumstances into your world. Um, it's kind of like, I feel like that's an ongoing experiment for me. You know, mm-hmm. these are two, let's try this palette. How are these going to interact? And let's try this method with, with the materials and see how these are going to interact and uh, be surprised, pleasantly surprised hopefully, you know, about the interactions and sometimes they're a complete failure and, you know, that's all part of it too, you know, that didn't work. And, um, so it it keeps me very intrigued and and I'm excited to keep doing this collection and then also to transfer it, you know, not just from paper, but, uh, onto the canvas because that canvas is such a different surface 
incident that adds like another layer of, um, you know, kind of another personality into the, into the mix of how is this going to react to these materials? It's so different. And so there's just a, an ongoing thing. I, I don't know when this collection will ever end. Honestly, it may just always be there. Um, yes. That means you're on to, yeah. that means you're on the right path. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think so. Yeah. I a lot think, of mystery there. So. Yes. And I think that, um, <clears throat> anytime we can find ourselves in a metaphor, in an idea Mm-hmm. That the the well never really runs dry, um, mm-hmm. where there's more commas than periods, right? Um, right. We found ourselves in a beautiful state. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, uh, a lot of our listeners, I mean, we're content creators, uh, idea mm-hmm. leaders, thinkers, dreamers, doers, songwriters, you name it. Um, mm-hmm. I always love to ask creatives and people that are producing um and putting their content into the world do you have any like established rituals or or routines or you know there's so many people that say each day i do this i show up to the computer Mm -hmm. and i start typing at 5 a.m i um or yeah is there anything there that you've noticed oh this is this is a rhythm that's been woven into my creativity Mm mm-hmm yeah, you know, I uh, actually listened to a couple of your podcasts, just a little preparation for myself, gotcha. <laughs> and I heard that <laughs> I heard that question come up a couple of times, and so I've been thinking about it, and, you know, obviously having kids really helps me establish a routine. I mean, they're in school, so, you know, I'm not a morning person. I've really tried to be, hmm. but it sort of forces me to start my day probably earlier. Um, I mean, naturally, unfortunately, my a lot of my creativity, like, literally – hits me at 10 30 or 11 at night or I'm falling asleep and I think like oh (laughs) (laughs) it's so frustrating because I can't do anything about it but um you know and I'll think okay if I wake up with that same idea then it's a good one you know and Hmm. anyway um yeah so I mean morning like there are often times I mean if I'm really really pressed I mean this this month is this month and last month have been really, really deadline oriented. So I've had to start from the get go in the morning, but, um, you know, I have always been sort of a, the physicality, um, and the, uh, like sort of like extra, I mean, exercise has always been really big for me. Even when I was a kid, like, um, it's not really, Oh, how am I trying to say this? Like when I was a kid, if I was really upset, I would take a drawer and dump all the contents out and then I would refold everything and put it back. <laughs> and it was just like this, pre- I know that's so weird, but it was just this process of like bringing order to all these crazy thoughts. You know, I know that you and I know that you and your wife are Enneagram people and yeah. as a five, like I'm always inside my head. And so okay, there are times when I... Yes. <laughs> I think I, I thought I thought I was a five originally. I'm I'm a four with a three wing, but go ahead. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's awesome to discover that about people. Um yeah, so I mean I'm I'm constantly in my head and so the physicality of everything. I have to introduce physical into my world or I'm just like lost in my head. And mm-hmm. so if I'm upset or if I'm if I feel really disjointed or if I have like major deadlines and I'm just feeling like really in my head about, okay, gotta do this, gotta do this, gotta, 
like this morning, for instance, this whole week has been full of just everything's had to fall in line like a perfect little brick. Like it's had to be like, if this is off, then this is off. And I've had so many things that I've had to get to the framer, blah, 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 blah. And so this morning, I literally just cleaned like a crazy lady for like an hour. Because I thought, I just got to get some order control, back in, some certainty. Got to get some control. <laughs> yes. And a lot of times my thinking is more clear when I'm just moving, when I'm physical. Yeah. Because I'm not so much in my head. So some of that energy is being exerted like physically. And, um, you know, so I think that's definitely in the morning. Like if I can get some of that mental energy out physically, yeah. it helps me to enter the studio with a much more like, okay, you know, clear thought. Here's what I want to do today and that kind of thing. Get the, get the chatter out of the head and yeah. and move yes. move back into your chest into your soul to do your work. <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah. No, I hear you. Um <laughs> Yeah, I, there there's something about in the midst of overwhelming uncertainty when you can grasp mm-hmm. some certainty, you know, like yeah. I can yeah. mow the lawn. I know I can mow the lawn. I can see the lawn. <laughs> I can bag right. it. I can do it. I can vacuum. <laughs> there's the lines in the carpet. Um Exactly. It kind of gets that out. Um, mm-hmm. love it. So t- tell me about, um, cause I really want people to go and look at your work for me to describe mm-hmm. it as a, you know, a redneck from Texas that's trying to <laughs> learn artistic vernacular. Um, mm-hmm. where, where, I mean, this bold, minimalistic, vivid color choice, um, mm-hmm. Where I mean, is that really just a byproduct of you going, I wonder, I wonder what these colors will do or, do you draw that from, from someplace else? Yeah, I'll have to think on that. That's, that's I don't know that I've really explored that, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just very drawn to contrast. I mm-hmm. like, you know, I've noticed that just with everything. Um, it's very, it's, it's kind of spring, summer. Like, it, you did do yeah. some fall stuff this last year, some autumn mm-hmm. tones. Um, mm-hmm. But the stuff that's really spoken to me has just been this just cosmic bright uh yeah colors go ahead yeah yeah i actually had somebody visit me at a at a uh, show and she was like you know i think you would sell better if you would just tone everything down a bit no no, no. oh my <laughs> gosh thought, what? <laughs> i was like that's just not me i appreciate it that's just i can't um <laughs> you know I, I think there's i think it's just that sort of go for it maybe yeah. you know yeah. like um very intentional like I don't want there to be any gray area of what was she trying to say you know I want mm-hmm. there to be like this is a very bold like mm-hmm. decisive it's everything I do is very decisive so I just want to be committed to those marks I want to be committed to those decisions um you know I want there to be a clear picture of what I'm going for Love I want it. there to be any ambiguity so you know even when I'm looking at other art like I, I find myself obviously attracted to that in other art as well. Like, Oh, I know what they're communicating. I see mm-hmm. it. It's like so clear to me. And mm-hmm. you know, there's anyway, I mean, I think some people want, it's such a subjective subject. I mean, people want different things Absolutely. Um, from art, but that's what I want is to be like smacked in the face with, Oh wow. That's what they were going for. Yeah. You know, want there to be meaning there and so i want to i want that that meaning to be communicated very clearly yeah yes gosh i love that it makes me happy i wish (laughs) i could paint i wish i could commit i can i write songs and poems every once in a while but uh i uh you you do such a good job of that um and and i and i think that anytime 
work like yours can universally, universally and individually speak, um, mm-hmm. you've, you've done your job and yeah. that's what I, I get. And I can't wait to see your other stuff in person. Cause I'm always <laughs> scrolling through Instagram. Like, Oh, I love that one. <laughs> um, but, uh, it's beautiful work. So, um, artists are always curious and mm-hmm. learners and studiers and thinkers and dreamers. Do you, what's anything currently keeping you curious from books to music to ideas? You name it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, going back again, just to the basics, like my materials keep me super curious. You know, I'll awesome. actually, um, I'm a very practical person in a lot of ways and that practicality kind of feeds even the experimental experimental side of what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I will, you know, like I had several canvases. I had some work to do last, uh, sort of late last fall. And so I had these pieces that I was really trying to achieve this one, this one goal with these pieces. And there were probably three or four that I just botched. They were just terrible. And with this particular style that I do, um, you really, you can't paint over. I mean, a lot of artists will paint a piece and they'll think it's not working and they'll just cover it with gesso and start over again. Well, these pieces, the way that I do them, the canvas has to be like really smooth and really clean if I'm doing canvas work, mm-hmm. which I don't do a ton of. But um, anyway, so I had all these canvases that I had literally stacked up that were just not going to make the cut. And so I took a, uh, took a um, exacto blade to them and just sort of sliced them right <laughs> down the middle and ripped the canvas off and then uh, restretched them. And I actually stretched them. You know, you can uh, buy canvas by the roll. You can either get it raw, which means it's just straight up fabric mm-hmm. canvas, or you can get it primed. Um, so it already has the gesso prime on it. And to me, it's just easier to stretch canvas that's raw. So I'd already... Mm-hmm done that and committed to buy that and do that. So I went and stretched it and I thought, I just don't feel like painting with gesso on there. So it was partially out of like laziness, honestly. Right. And then I thought, you know what, I'm going to see if I can, I want there to be some consistency, obviously with all of my work. And so I thought, I wonder if I can achieve that a little better if I could use, if I use raw canvas. And so it led to this whole body of work now, hmm. um, you know, on raw canvas where are we going? I'm not trying to remember what your original question just is. Just oh, Yeah, just how it's keeping you curious. Yeah. yeah. So it's just this constant, like, exploring of materials. Like, that. the five in me yeah. will never exhaust myself of playing with my materials and thinking, well, what, you know, what's, like I said, it's always something new. Like, oh, I didn't know, you know, that happened this time. And how can I recreate that again? And what kind of mixture do I need to make in order to make that happen or... Love it's it. just a fun, like, constant experiment for me. Yeah. And what a gift to always have a place to show up and surprise and yeah. delight be yeah. totally woven into those moments. Definitely. Yeah. Love that. Um, so you're married now. You've got a family. Mm-hmm. You're mm-hmm. putting art into the world um, with with the wisdom you've gathered thus far. Uh, from all of your experiences, what what advice would you give to your younger self? Hmm. Choose your major sooner. No, <laughs> I couldn't have. I mean, you know, the journey is so important. I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. really know. I mean, I think 
it would be a shame to take anything away. So I wouldn't necessarily want to do that. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think I would ever, I don't think I would change anything just, really. I don't start telling us. Yeah. Just let it happen. And maybe don't stress out so much about, you know, all the decisions and how they're going to unfold. Um, you know, I think, um, I think when we're young, I, we just don't know ourselves very well. Uh, and there's just this, this sort of confused stupor. I feel like we walk mm-hmm. around in. And so and, many options. Yes. So yeah. many options. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I would just say, you know, if you, like, thankfully, I, like I said, my parents were so supportive and I had that, um, from them that I was free, even at a young age to really discover something about myself, um, that a lot of people take a long, long time to discover because they're just not allowed to. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I feel like that was such a gift from them. Um, and I hope that I can do that with my kids too. And just. Yeah, you know, foster those things in them that they really, really love and that really make them feel whole. Um, you know, I think as I've gotten older, like being married and having kids has grounded me in such a way that I've felt even more freedom um, to explore because there's just such a safe boundary around me, hmm. such a safe, supportive boundary around me. And um, I mean, I, I feel so fortunate to, to have a husband who just really delights in what I do and is just such a cheerleader and um, for me and my kids enjoy it and I mean my parents and my brothers and in-laws I and mean, everybody's just been so supportive and kind that I feel like it's helped build such a solid foundation for me to be very very free to do to do this yeah. and to feel very in touch with a big part of myself yeah you know well, yeah, to do your work from a place of freedom is uh, yeah. an absolute yeah. gift. Yeah. Love that. So um, I think you just released a bunch of pieces. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, yes, I and, did. And I, they may all be sold by now. Um, I don't <laughs> I know that uh, it, se- it seems like that, that things move fast in the Beth Winterburn world. Um, <laughs> how, so like if, if people want to go look at it, your work and, and, mm-hmm. uh, see what's out there and what's available. Where, what's the best place to send them your website, certain galleries, where would you direct our listeners that yeah, are all over definitely. the country? Yeah, the website is great. Um, there's actually a page, the website's ebw-artwork.com. And there's a page on there that says locations, you know, his location shows. And I try to stay on top of that. So if there's like a local show or even something, um, that's not local. Like if people are in that area, they can know that that's coming. Um, and then all of the gal, any gallery or any store or any online store is listed on that page and it can be, I've linked everything. So, um, the majority I would say of my work, I sell directly. So, uh, I just like that. I really enjoy that connection to Mm -hmm. my client and I really, you know, don't want to lose that. I think, uh, you lose some of that when you start to outsource uh, more and more. And so I, I really enjoy connecting to the people that I um, that I sell my work to. You know, it's such a personal thing for me yeah. and such a personal purchase for people that I want them to also sort of know, like, whose hands are on this and who's, you know, what is this about? Right. And, um, so I like that connection. And I try to keep it as much in house. Yeah, and I, you know, I mean, the world we live in today, like, 
if people yeah. follow you on Instagram, EBW underscore artwork, um, mm-hmm. it, like we get to be there in the kitchen, right? I mean, we, you, you get to, <laughs> right. you get to see this stuff happening and really all types right. of artists from authors, musicians or whatever. I mean, it's this, the, the veil is gone, right? In this new yeah, world. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I think that's it such can a... be, I will say there's a lot of smoke and mirrors. I mean, the fact, you know, totally. the fact that I'm in the kitchen, I think a lot of people mm-hmm. will be like, what? Totally. Is that your studio? <laughs> right. Right. But you know what I mean? I mean, I think it's, uh, yeah. it, we get to see, um, we yeah. get to see a little bit of the magic, uh, and, yeah. and the, the resistance too, right? I mean, the mm-hmm. challenges, mm-hmm. the tough side. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, every beautiful thing um, has, you know, the tough side of it. Um, yeah, and so I think yeah. it's such a gift to see that. And I hope uh, all of our listeners check out ebw-artwork.com. You'll see Beth's stuff. Um, her piece, like you want pieces of art in your, in your house that, that you don't have language for. And that just kind of draw something out in you. And this, Mm -hmm. this is her work. Um, It's beautiful. Super grateful for what you're putting out there. And um, thank you. Super grateful for you joining us. Keep, keep that kitchen dirty, please. (laughs) Don't worry. It will, it stays a, it stays a nice disheveled, lovely mess. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, and speaking of Annie Grant, you're an Anagram five. I've got, uh, we've got some Anagram guests coming on in the very near future. Oh, um, nice. so that's a little future pitch, um, for things very like that. Cool. But, um, I hope we cross paths again soon. Um, yeah. and, uh, if we're ever out in your neck of the woods, we'll definitely, definitely look you up and, uh, your work is in the center of our living room. So, Um, that's great thank you that means a lot absolutely well beth thank you so much for your good and necessary work um and for joining us we we sure do appreciate it thank you okay we'll talk to you soon all right right, bye-bye hey guys before we go i wanted to let you know about another event i'm going to be hosting it's going to be friday june the 16th and saturday june the 17th at my home in waco texas it's going to be a two-day gathering where we connect come together uh, and we work and walk through the enneagram uh, and the discovery of ourselves through the lens of the enneagram i've teamed up with a friend of mine chris hewitts from the gravity center in omaha nebraska chris is one of the most well-known voices in the Enneagram space in America. And uh, I'm super excited uh, to bring him to Texas and just have a gathering at my house for the weekend. It's going to be small. We're limiting it to 20 people. Uh, We don't even have information about this up on our website yet, but you can go to ashtongustafson.com, click the little envelope in the upper right-hand corner. That will get you contacted with me. And uh, I'd be glad to answer any questions you have. It's going to be a time of beauty, reflection, discovery. We're bringing in a chef from Nashville. I mean, we're just, we're just getting it. It's gonna, it's gonna be great. So anyway, thought I'd share it with you. Hope you can make it. Today's episode is brought to us by Holsty. Holsty explores what it means to live a life of intention and reflection through art, words, and action. Through their monthly subscription, Holsty examines themes inspired by the science of mindfulness, positive psychology, and ancient philosophy. Each month, subscribers receive letterpress prints illustrated by emerging artists, along with action lists and digital toolkits, encouraging further exploration and reflection. 
Holstie's journey began in 2009 with the viral popularity of their company manifesto, a call to arms around how their founders define success. They couldn't have imagined how much these words would resonate around the world. The Holstie Manifesto was called The Next Just Do It by the Washington Post. It's been translated into 13 languages and has received an estimated 100 million social media views. With the encouragement of their global community, they developed the monthly Holstie subscription to help people put the words of the manifesto into action. Be sure to go to Holstie.com slash Ashton and use the checkout code Ashton, A-S-H-T-O-N, to get your first month's free of the Holstie subscription.